man. Oh, please hi. let that flow and hi. <laughs> please let this episode start on you yawning. <laughs> I think that it maybe didn't catch it, but. No, I really hope it did. Uh, <laughs> that would just be the best. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, yeah. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Good morning. Darshine, how are you? Uh, I'm good. How was your week? It was good, man. It was good. It's really busy with all of the things going in gear, um, mm-hmm. but it's really good. I was working on stuff for an interview for a another part-time job just like some Saturdays sometimes, and I was just for extra income, and I was working on it at work, and one of my coworkers looked over and was like, did you decide not to do the crime tour thing? And I was like, no, I'm doing it. And he was like, how many jobs do you want? <laughs> and I was like, all of them, obviously. Mm-hmm. But then I found out that the place that I wanted to work, it is so similar to where I work now that I'm not allowed to. So I was like, oh, hey, oh well, <laughs> no worries. It's one wow. last thing I have to do this week. Yeah, really. Um, I do have an audition tomorrow, though, and I am real nerves. Don't be real nerves. Be real hype. I, I I am I am some hype. I am partial hype, many nerves. Cause it's yeah. it's Shakespeare, and I haven't auditioned for Shakespeare in many moons. Yeah, that's exciting. Text me as soon as it's over. I will. I will I let you know. Yeah, fingers crossed, everybody. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned that I have an audition because in case I don't get it, then everybody's gonna be like, "How did it go?" Like, well, I mean, great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, here we are. What are you going to do? How was your week? It was good. It was good. It went by really quickly, which was nice. And my head was not a huge dumpster fire. Good. Which was extra nice. A small Um, dumpster fire. mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, like, Mm -hmm. I can handle that. So nice. Yeah, we've got. We're, we open our show two weeks from yesterday. Awesome, dude. Which is kind of wild, but uh, yeah, I think it's going to turn out really well. So good. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, Feels like it's flying by. Dude, <laughs> you're telling me. Yeah. Um, and like, it's kind of funny because it was a short rehearsal process anyway, because like everyone in the cast at some point in time or another is or was traveling. So it's literally like a it's it's a five week rehearsal process including tech week. That's crazy. It's a quick one. Um, it's quick. It's brief. It's brief. I think five. It might only be four. I'm not sure. Um, but either way, it's a fast one. Um, I yeah, it was. It's been it's been good. Um, and we got to hang out with Joanna a bunch and um. We got dinner with one of Evan's buddies from Ascending Path the other day. Nice. And so yesterday, both of us were like, what if we just don't do anything? So we like came home and mm-hmm. did exactly that. Those days are so nice. It was so nice. I'm a it big so fan good. of that. Yeah. I had a somewhat, I didn't have a full day yesterday, but I had like things planned. And then all of them ended up getting canceled, except for my oh. haircut. And I was like, Love that. yes, 
It was the best. I love when things get canceled, not when I'm canceling things. Because when yes. I cancel things, I feel shitty about it. But right. if they get canceled. when it's not canceled, my fault. Oh. It's just so sweet. Wow. It's so very sweet. The best feeling. Yeah. So I got my hair cut and the lady was like, it's, she was, you, you know, when she's like, they're trying to be nice about how you've gone way too long to get your hair cut. <laughs> yes. Um, and so she would say like cute little phrases like, I mean, it's impressively long. <laughs> yeah. The lady, when I cut my hair, she told me this is the longest hair I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how is that possible? You're a hairdresser. But I was looking at her. It's I mean, it's true. It's like nobody really has crazy long hair anymore. Mm-hmm. But feels good. Feels real good. good. Yeah. Oh, I also had my first film class this week. Oh, yeah. How was that? Oh, man, I am so bad at it, but it was <laughs> so much fun. It's like they always tell you just be yourself. Just be yourself. That's what everybody's looking for. Like all you can bring are your own experiences. So just be yourself. And I'm like, Psh, dynamite. I'm so good at that. I can so easily just be myself. No, I cannot. I absolutely cannot. As soon as there is a camera facing me and then people on the other side of it looking at me, I'm like, like, I have no idea. What do I do with my hands? How to, yes. I have no idea how to be a person. But it was three and a half hours that flew by and I learned so freaking much. And we nice. get to be on film and see ourselves and critique ourselves every week. And see, like, what works, what doesn't, what we need improvement on, what we need. Yeah, it's so much fun. And I love my classmates so very much. Um, and I hope that I get better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that you will. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah, That's man. great. It was fun. It's been, a, it's been a week. Oh, and I was back in rehearsals. It, granted, it was only for a staged reading that... By the time this comes out, will have already happened. So it went so well. <laughs> oh, my God. It was so good. I'm so glad. Thank you. That's very exciting. <laughs> it's fun. It's for like a, a stage reading festival run by a company called Babes with Blades. And so they focus on shows about women. Um, they like inherently queer shows. Shows yeah. that have, you know, roles for women all over the queer spectrum and shows with stage combat. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited to have finally have an in with them and meet all of them and hopefully work with them in the future. Yeah, really. Be dope. Anyway. Uh, so you're drinking coffee. I'm drinking coffee out of a literal soup bowl. Oh, Taylor. Adulthood is hard. No, no, no. It's, I mean, it's a coffee mug. But oh. it it's from, have you heard of Anderson Split Pea Soup? No. So it's this place that's like a, it's a windmill. Um, sure. And it's between Las Cruces and San Diego. And so when, whenever we would drive up, um, we would stop in there and get some, some split pea soup. And nice. my mom for Christmas got me, because they did the drive, um, mm-hmm. and they got me some some soup <laughs> and it was wrapped in this big giant coffee mug so that you could also cook it in the coffee mug. Amazing. Because it's, it's enough 
it's big enough that you can put soup into it. So I'll I'll send you a photo of it. Okay. I'm it's excited. Huge, and That's it's filled beautiful. to the brim. Nice. <laughs> you get those jitters going, man. It's I yeah. believe in you. It's a legit stein of coffee. Amazing. It's really nice. What are you drinking? I'm having a, a Pilsner. Crispy boy. Mm-hmm. Having me a little beer, which I'm like at the end of it. So I might have to go grab another bit. We might have to like pause at some point. Okay. And uh, I'll go grab a, either another one or a water or something. I don't know. But you, you know, you got to stay, stay hydrated. Gotta stay hydrated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, welcome to Vape Town, Taylor. You son of a bitch. I'm going to beat you one day. I doubt it. I'm going to get it. I was literally opening my mouth to say it. Good. And then I stole the words from your mouth. <laughs> welcome to Babe Town, Reagan. Thank you. I feel so welcome. I'm salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do okay. this. What year was your babe born? My babe was born in 1930. Ooh, you, you feel were like going I'm first. Oh, really? But not by a whole lot. Yeah. Oh, I thought but I was yeah, definitely first. one second. Okay, 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 okay. Um, all right, Taylor. Yes. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Lorraine Hansberry? No, but I am high-key obsessed with that name. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know of her work. You just do not know her name. Okay. So let's get into it. Okay, so right. I found something that said that she was born Lorraine Vivian Hansberry the third, but I Cute. didn't know that women could be the third. Maybe they just threw that on there because they were like, no, it's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason that they can't be the third. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but she was born May 19th, 1930 in Chicago, Illinois. Cute. Um, she was the youngest of four by seven years, which seems like a lot. And... She was the granddaughter of a freed slave. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Um, her father was a successful real estate broker. Her mother was a school teacher. And so they were pretty well to do um, or well off, I guess I should say. They donated a lot of money to the NAACP and the Urban League. And then in 1938, they moved into a white neighborhood on the south side of Chicago. And all of their neighbors freaked the fuck out. Yeah. Because, right. of course, they did. Because racists. Yeah. Um, it said that they violently attacked the family and the what home. The fuck? Everybody was fine. Nobody got hurt, but they were horrendous. So the neighborhood was basically trying to force them to move. And the family was like, no, fuck you. We bought this house. Mm-hmm. So they refused to move until a super racist Chicago court forced them to move. Like on what grounds? Exactly. Exactly. Um, so the case eventually made it to the Supreme Court, um, the case Hansberry versus Lee, where the Supreme Court ruled it, ruled it illegal to have restrictive covenants in housing agreements, which obviously. Yeah. Why did that need to go to the Supreme Court, you dipshits? Right. Um, so Lorraine went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, initially majoring in painting, but then she switched it to writing. But then she studied at the school at the Art Institute of Chicago and then at Roosevelt University. And then she spent the summer of 1949 in Mexico studying painting at the University of Guadalajara. So she's like painting and writing, painting and writing, painting and writing forever. Yeah. Which I'm super into. Yeah. She eventually dropped out and moved to New York City where she attended the new school for social research 
and then worked for civil rights activist Paul Robeson's progressive black newspaper called Freedom, uh, where she was a writer. And then eventually she worked her way up to associate editor from 1950 to 1953. Wow. She also worked as a server and a cashier and wrote in her spare time. Because oh my, God, my heart, I'm the laziest piece of shit in the world. And this is all about me. Um, I mean, but it's also that thing of like, man, this lady's a successful artist and still has to be a server. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, ah, it's always been the same. And she's writing cool. in her spare time because it's her passion. It's it's right. so, so cool. And it's so we talk about this almost every week about like women who and and people again it's not specifically women but we are talking specifically about women who just constantly are creating and working and bettering their situation and i'm like boop 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 <laughs> i need some me time or i'm not creative okay excuse me though you are doing that exact thing because you're taking a film class to better yourself artistically yeah, but it's once a week. It's not like it's some girl. Anyway, anyway, anyway. I'm really inspired by all of these women is what I'm trying to say. I'm going to aggressively hype you no matter what. <laughs> Thank so, you. I get over it. it. Okay, so she moved into Harlem and became an activist um, in all of their struggles and fights against evictions because people are shitty. And then one day on a picket line. She met Jewish songwriter Robert Nemiroff, and they got married in 1953. Stop. They met on a picket line? They met on a picket line. And fun fact, the day before their wedding, they were at a protest for the uh, like against the execution of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. So romantic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Um, the main problem with their marriage was that Lorraine was super lesbian, but still in the closet. Oh, that is that is a problem that. Yeah, it tends to just not be the best for romantic right. marriages. Uh, so they ended up splitting up in 1957 and then they got divorced five years later. But they still were like best friends the rest of her life. And they worked yeah. super closely together, which I think is the best thing. Um, so whenever she split with Namirov, she began writing for um, a group called the Daughters of Belitis. And she wrote articles for their magazine called The The Ladder, which was about lesbianism and homophobia. But she wrote under just the initials LH to avoid discrimination from assholes. Right. Right. Um, and then on March 11th, 1959, her first play, A Raisin in the Sun, premiered on Broadway. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, it was wow. the first play produced on Broadway written by a black woman. She had it written in 1957, and then she personally raised the funds for it in 1958, and then it opened the next year. Wow. It was hugely successful, uh, ran for 530 performances, and she became the first black playwright and the youngest playwright, because she was 29 years old at the time, to win the New York Critics Circle Award. She beat Tennessee Williams and Eugene O'Neill. Mm. Um, she excellent. Right? Isn't that just the best? That is, that is excellent. It's just, oh, I love every portion. And for those who don't know, I should say, A Raisin in the Sun, it concerns the divergent dreams and conflicts within three generations of an African-American family. The family's heroic struggle to retain dignity in a harsh and changing world is a searing and timeless document of hope and inspiration. 
So that's A Raisin in the Sun. She wrote a screenplay version of it because everybody was obsessed with it. And she completed that in 1961, so two years after it premiered. And she won a Cannes Film Fest Award. However, it did not get majorly produced by Columbia Pictures because they thought it they considered it too controversial. Because it was about black people? Because it was about black people. Wow. Mm-hmm. So then NBC commissioned her in 1960 to write a show about slavery, which she did, and it was called The Drinking Gourd. And then they said the script was superb, but they couldn't produce it because it was too controversial. How do you ask for a show about slavery and then mm-hmm. think that it's too controversial? Yes. How, like, how else would it be? Right. Yes. We would like Slash a fun, uplifting show about slavery. But keep and it like, light, you know? Like, how gross to think that a show about slavery would be controversial. Thank Do you, you know what I mean? Like, yes. like who it's like, is watching write... that show being like, well, I don't think this is correct. I mean, it's white people watching that yeah. and being like, yes. ugh, gross. The thing, the comparison that came to my mind whenever I read that was like asking someone to write something about the Holocaust and then be like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's yeah. too controversial. Yeah, like it like, was a heinous period of history and there's and no way to paint it in a way that it was not. <laughs> yeah, it like, is heinous. This is all heinous. You're heinous. Never not heinous. I love that word. <laughs> never not heinous. <laughs> if that's not the title of this episode, I'm going to freak out. Uh, yeah, so her show about slavery, superb script, quote unquote, but controversial, which I would love to read that script. Oh, brutal. Ugh. So then a reviewer for the FBI, because that's a thing, apparently. Wait, said like, that, <laughs> like a reviewer of scripts for the FBI? Yeah, yes, like a reviewer of arts and culture and entertainment. How do you land that job? Not a clue. I really want to work for the FBI, but also I really just like want to read plays all the time. Like you got to have a squeaky clean background, be white. So you can read a script. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So that reviewer said that a raisin in the sun's themes were dangerous. Um, Because white people suck so very, very much. I yeah okay yep okay mm. so she becomes extreme Lorraine becomes extremely active in the civil rights movement with other notable activists in 1963 uh, so with these activists she met with then Attorney General Robert F Kennedy to test his position on civil rights they all like stroll into Washington and they're like knock knock are you gonna help us or not yeah um. That same year, 1963, her second play, The Sign in Sidney Brewstein's Window, opened on Broadway. Also that year, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and had two procedures to try and take out the cancer, but neither one of them worked. Mm. So at this point, she realizes she's working on a clock. Mm. So she wrote plays, essays, screenplays, novels, articles, literally anything and everything about women, civil rights, gay rights, racism in America, 
freedom and equality of women around the world, the horrors of colonization. She opposed atomic bombs and all bombs, really, but um, she fought for the right for people to stand up for themselves, even violently, if it comes for that. She was just like a warrior for the people in her writing. Wow. And she once commented that women, quote, twice oppressed, become twice militant. Oh. Hell yeah. Mm. Big fan of that. Because, um, like, how could they not? <laughs> how could they not? Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. 2020 is a great time. <laughs> I'm having a great time. <laughs> Just start rocking back and forth and crying. We're like, boom, I am. Um, she, this is one of my favorite things. She ex- opposed existentialism because she was more in favor of figuring out the issues that were realistically going on right now. <laughs> I mean, which yeah. like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and <laughs> obviously mm-hmm. big fan of that. uh, on May 1st, 1964, Lorraine was speaking to a group of winners of a creative writing conference. And said, quote, though it is a thrilling and marvelous thing to be merely young and gifted in such times, it is doubly so, doubly dynamic to be young, gifted, and black. Mm-hmm. I love that quote so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. Um, so toward the end of her life, she declared herself, <laughs> quote, committed to this homosexuality thing. <laughs> <laughs> And she vowed to create her life, not just accept it, which like that is my new life motto. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to create my life, not just accept it. That's so good. It's so good. So she built a community around her of gay and lesbian friends. She took lovers. She vacationed in Provincetown, which the way that sentence was written and copied and pasted, it makes it sound like Provincetown is a super gay place. (laughs) It's just like the period on the end of the very gay sentence. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, And she subscribed to several gay magazines. Cute. Um, She, one thing that I wrote was that she leaned into her happiness. And I, I'm so happy that she did. So Lorraine died of her pancreatic cancer on January 12th, 1965. She was 34 years old. Oh my God. And her play that was running on Broadway at the time had its final performance that night. Wow. Nina Simone sang at her funeral. Langston Hughes read a poem. And Malcolm X was in attendance, and it was three weeks before his own assassination. Wow. Yeah. Her ex-husband that she was buddies with forever finished a whole bunch of her works that were incomplete when she died. And he adapted many of her works into a play called To Be Young, Gifted, and Black, which was the longest-running play on Broadway during the 1968-1969 season. Dang. Yeah. So then it came out in book form the following year. And she left unfinished plays and novels with themes ranging from slavery to post-apocalyptic futures. (laughs) Um, A Raisin in the Sun is considered one of the hallmarks of the American stage. It is still produced to this day. Um, It has had Emmy-nominated television productions in 1989 and 2008. And then it won Tony Awards in 2004 and 2014, which 2004 Best Leading Actress in a Play went to Felicia Rashad for that show. Mm. 
And then best featured actress in a play went to Audra McDonald, two of mm. my favorite actors ever. And then the 2014 production featured Denzel Washington. Mm. And the 2004 production featured good old Sean Combs, a.k.a. <laughs> P. Diddy. Wow. <laughs> uh, wow. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Um. In 1969, Nina Simone wrote a song called To Be Young, Gifted, and Black, where she wanted to, quote, make black children all over the world feel good about themselves forever, which makes me want to cry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Um, there was a musical version of A Raisin in the Sun called Raisin that came out in 1973. In 1998, a children's biography of Lorraine was published called Young, Black, and Determined. 1999, she was posthumously inducted into the Chicago Gay and Lesbian Hall of Fame. 2010, she was inducted into the Chicago Literary Hall of Fame. 2013, she was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame. And 2017, she was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. Wow. So then founded in 2004 and launched in 2006, the Hansberry Pro Project of Seattle, Washington was created as an African-American theater lab, which is it's basically a theater led by African-American artists and designed to provide the community with consistent access to the black artistic voice. Um, it's rooted. <laughs> I'm sorry. Valerie <laughs> just got down and tried to drink my beer. OK, <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. Um, boop, 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 Hansberry Project, right. Uh, it's, it's rooted in the convictions that black artists should be at the center of the artistic process and that the community deserves excellence in its art and their fundamental function is to put people in relationship to one another. I love it. I love it yeah. so much. Their goal is to create a space where the entire community can be enriched by the voices of professional black artists reflecting autonomous concerns, investigations, dreams, and artistic expression. Wow. Huge fan. She has schools and college dorms named after her. There have been biographies and documentaries, specifically one in PBS or in 2018 by PBS called Lorraine Hansberry, Sighted Eyes, Feeling Heart, which is, yeah, just everyone go watch it. It's great. <laughs> Um, and then Imani Perry wrote a biography called Looking for Lorraine, The Radiant and Radical Life of Lorraine Hansberry, which she said, quote, she reveled in her identity even as she railed against injustice. Wow. And that's the beautiful story of Lorraine Hansberry. That was great. Of Raisin in the Sun. I loved learning about her. It wow. was so much fun. What a lady. What a freaking lady. What a babe, you know? What a babe. Yeah. Um, to source my shit, um, Wikipedia helped launch me. And then biography.com, Encyclopedia Britannica. There was a um, an NPR article called Lorraine Hansberry, Radiant and Radical and More Than a Raisin by uh, Karen Grigsby Bates. And currently in Chicago, Invictus Theater Company is producing A Raisin in the Sun. It is running right now at the Buena. And my friend Ashley Joy is in it. And she's wow. dynamite and phenomenal. Um, 
And I just found out that a few days ago, uh, the Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman, went to see it and went backstage to congratulate the cast afterward. Wow. Yeah. There's a whole there's a photo of the entire cast backstage, like super big eyes and smiles. <laughs> and Chadwick Boseman is just like, what up? That's awesome. Isn't that cool? So there you have it. That's Dang. Ah, now I'm going to sit back, relax. Yeah. Your turn. All right. Okay. Um, great job. Thank you. Um, all right. Reagan. Taylor. Have you ever heard of Wangari Mathai? I really haven't, but I'm excited to. Yay. So, Wangari was born April 1st, 1940. So, like, not too much longer after your lady. Um, She was born in Nairi, Kenya. Kenya, at this time, in the 40s, um, it's still a British colony. So, um, it's still right in the middle of colonialism. So, her father works as a, quote, tenant farmer, which basically meant that um, him and the family lived and worked on someone's farm. Okay. Um, but it was someone else's? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so her brothers go off to primary school, which is in a different town, um, because they had to send them out because there wasn't school on that farm, obviously. So um, they send the brothers to Eath Primary School. Okay. I looked this up, had to say it a few times, and I think it's ETH. Okay. Um, I'll buy it. Yeah, it's I-H-I-T-H-E. <laughs> so that's why I'm kind of like, I, I, there are lots of letters and not E-E-E. it's not a long word. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So I think it's ETH, um, primary school, which is in a different town. So then her parents are like, all right, well, like if they're already there, you might as well go too. So when she's eight, she's sent to the primary school as well. Um, which at that point in time, it's kind of a big deal for girls in Africa to get an education in the 40s. Mm-hmm. So like that in and of itself is kind of a big deal that she even goes. Right. Um, she does great. She's super adept at school. So um, in 1951, she's sent to St. Cecilia's Intermediate Primary School, which was a Catholic boarding school. Um, that's where she learned English. She converted to Catholicism. And she, again, excels in like everything so she then gets accepted to the girls only catholic school loretta high school um so wait you had to be accepted to high school i guess a thing i guess maybe just maybe just that school because it was like a catholic like girls only it was like a preparatory school yeah um so she gets accepted she's doing great meanwhile as all this is happening across across the pond as they say jfk who's still just a senator at this point he's not president Mm -hmm. um he has started funding a program called the joseph p kennedy jr foundation and so basically what that foundation was was a um kind of joint venture between the kenyan government there was a Mm -hmm. kenyan politician who this was kind of his idea and then JFK got on board with it so that they would basically fund African students having access to Western education. So it was basically a big scholarship so that 
African students could come to the U.S. and study and not go bankrupt. So that's awesome. Yeah. So it became known as Airlift Africa. Um, and Wangari ended up being one of the 300 students that was selected. So that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, in 1960, well, in the early 1960s, um, she went to Mount Scholastica College in Kansas and she gets a bachelor's degree in biology in 1964. Then she's like, all right, well, like, I could probably get more education. So then she goes over to Pittsburgh. She goes to the University of Pittsburgh and gets her master's in only two years, which is old. Yeah. Um, so in Pittsburgh, at the time that she's there, um, she is there both during a lot of the civil rights discussion that's going on because it's the mid-60s. Yeah. And she's also there as environmental activists are working towards and fighting for environmental restoration and trying to clean up Pittsburgh's air quality. So she's like, oh, dang, this is a thing that, like, we can be activists for. Yeah. So she pursues a doctorate degree as a research assistant for the professor of zoology at the University College of Nairobi. Um, And I think that that's I think that it was funded through a professor at the University of Germany. um, And he because he was the one that hired her. But then she went to Nairobi. So I think that he was kind of funding and was like the head researcher Mm -hmm. um, and had a, a couple different pockets of research going on, I think is what happened. Because um, I only found him referenced like once, <laughs> but then everyone agrees that she went to the University of Nairobi to go do this. So I think that that's probably what was going on. Okay. Um, so um, while she's at the University uh, of Nairobi in 1971, she eventually graduates with her doctorate degree. Um, 1971, she becomes the first woman in East Africa to earn a doctorate period Dang. in yeah. East Africa not yeah Ooh. yeah um 1976 she becomes the first woman to chair a university department in East Africa when she begins working for that college and chairing the department that she was a student of Dang. which is pretty fucking cool yeah um so while she's a college professor she's also frequently campaigning for equal benefits for the women on staff even going so far as trying to get them to unionize so that they'll yeah, girl. have the same benefits as the dudes that work there, which like, yes, obviously. Um, 1974, she's asked to become a board member for the Environmental Liaison Center. Man. So with that in mind, a little bit of a context break. So Kenya is still a British colony, right? It's still smack in the middle of colonialism which means that people are coming through and buying up whole plots of land bulldozing the trees building mansions and selling off that land and making farmland where there shouldn't be farmland so there's a huge um on one of my sources there's a huge like blurb about when deforestation happens, it's not just getting rid of the trees and thus changing the air quality. It also changes the soil because that's 100%. That's essentially what happened with the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma. Yeah. They farmed too much and then suddenly the soil was super, super loose. They couldn't, it wouldn't pack down because it wasn't held down by roots. So then you get yeah. these 
huge dust bowls. Like it's literally a dust bowl. (laughs) So um, it's just like crazy changing the landscape of Kenya. Like she talks about when she was a little kid, there being huge forests and everything. And then by the time that she returns, it's like a noticeable difference because it's just such a rapid deforestation. What a bummer, man. You like grow up in this beautiful place and then you move to Kansas. Yeah. And then you move back and it's all like, uh, yeah. So, um, keep in mind that like, there's so much going on with her that I'm leaving out. Like she, at one point she gets married. Um, she has three kids and then, she eventually gets divorced from that guy and he, it was like a super messy divorce and he oh. demanded that she drop his surname and she's like, no, fuck you. So she just added an A to it so that it was different, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's the same, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> so there's like a lot of like personal stuff that I kind of left out because her accomplishments are insane. Yeah. I just, um, Oh man, I love that. She's like, see, it's different. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. It's different. We're done. So, um, so Wangari eventually becomes super active in the National Council of Women of Kenya and becomes its chairman in 1981. That in and of itself has a whole lot of context behind it. Wangari was a member of a not small, but like a, a, a minority ethnic group within Mm -hmm. Kenya. And so she was blocked from even running as chairman for years because she was of this minority in Kenya. And so um, she eventually like she ran a couple of times and lost just barely. And then the next time that she ran, it was going to be a landslide. So the other person running backed out. So she won. And it was like from then on, she basically ran it like until (laughs) she ran it for like years. So um, that in and of itself was even kind of a fight to, to get into that spot. Um, So as she's working with all of these different groups, she realizes that kind of the root of a lot of Kenya's issues is this environmental degradation. Mm -hmm. Um, She realizes that like we've got super low unemployment or super high unemployment. And so, (laughs) um, so like maybe we could try and tie this in. So she kind of gets the perfect opportunity because that husband that I was talking about before they got mm-hmm. divorced, she um, he starts running for parliament um, and he's running on the platform of establishing more jobs. And when he wins, she's like, great, I have an idea. So she suggests that these jobs be created by trying to reforest the country. So Ooh. in 1977, she starts the Green Belt Movement which um, the goal was to reforest while also helping women. She said, quote, women needed income and they needed resources because theirs were being depleted. So we decided to solve both problems together. Heck yeah. Which is great. Um, The Greenbelt movement is still active and it is now responsible for planting more than 30 million trees in Africa and providing skills and jobs to 30,000 women. Holy shit. Yeah. Like, Wangari oh, Mathai is kind of viewed as being the reason that Kenya's not totally deforested. Oh my God. Which is crazy. <laughs> How many trees? 30 million? 30 million trees. 
Holy shit. Yeah. So in 1986, the GBM, the Greenbelt Movement, um, created a Pan-African Greenbelt Network, which was set up to expose um, different people from different African countries to their methods and their approach. So they ended up getting about 40 people from different countries throughout Africa, teaching them their ways and then being like, all right, like maybe you can set this up in your country. And it worked. So there are a lot of similar GBM movements throughout countries in Africa to this day. So um, she like kind of changed conservation in Africa on the whole, which is wild. Amazing. Um, So throughout all of this, the government obviously is the one that is most responsible for the deforestation because Mm -hmm. it is in their best interest to sell up all this land and use it. So um, she's having to be super outspoken against the government. So multiple times she's arrested. She's often beaten um, because she has to be super outspoken to get her work done. So she says um, in an interview with The Economist, she says, quote, nobody would have bothered me at all if all I did was to encourage women to plant trees. But I started seeing the linkages between the problems that we were dealing with and the root causes of environmental degradation. And one of those root causes was misgovernance. So she's like, all right, well, got to do what I got to do. So I can't believe they beat her for saving the fucking country. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a there's a blurb about um, she was at a protest where they were building some skyscraper and it was like going to be it was going to. It was going to change kind of the environmental landscape um, in this area, and she protested and it was it became such an international thing, like everyone was kind of watching this protest that eventually the government backed off and people then named that area where the skyscraper was going to be Freedom Corner. Yes. Which is so good. Um, so in 2002, that government that was in power finally lost. And that same year, she ran for and won a parliamentary seat. Yes. <laughs> She's like, got to change it from the inside. Seriously. So. Um, So she's appointed the Assistant Minister of Environment, Wildlife, and Natural Resources. Two years later, in 2004, she receives the Nobel Peace Prize. She is the first East African woman to win it. Um, In her speech, she said that choosing her for the honor, quote, challenged the world to broaden the understanding of peace. There can be no peace without equitable development, and there can be no development without the sustainable management of the environment in a democratic and peaceful space. Which, like, yeah. Yeah. It's all connected. Yes, of course. I really wish that we weren't still battling this right now. You know, it would be cool. Um, so, okay. <laughs> I'm going to read you off a list of other awards that she and the Greenbelt Movement won because it is, I like started typing it up and I was like, There's no point. Like, I'll just read this list off. So, you ready? Yes. She wins the Sophie Prize in 2004, the Petra Kelly Prize for the Environment in 2004, the Conservation Scientist Award in 2004, the J. Sterling Morton Award in 2004, the Wango Environment Award in 2003, the Outstanding Vision and Commitment Award in 2002, Excellence Award from the Kenyan Community Abroad, the Golden Ark Award, the Juliet Hollister Award. Wait, 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 wait. The Golden Ark Award? 
golden arc. Yeah, I don't oh, okay. know. Okay. <laughs> I thought you said the gold narc. And I was like, golden that arc. Like a good thing. <laughs> um, Carry the on, Jane sorry. Adams. The Jane Addams Leadership Award, the Edinburgh Medal, the Hunger Project's Africa Prize for Leadership, the Goldman Environmental Prize, the Woman of the World Award, the Windstar Award for the Environment, the Better World Society Award, the Right Livelihood Award, and the Woman of the Year in 1983. She was also listed as UNEP's Global 500 Hall of Fame and named one of the 100 heroines of the world. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, the list goes on and on and on. Oh, my God. And that is from um, her Nobel Peace Prize article on the Nobel website. So uh, in 2006, she writes Unbowed, which was her memoir, um, which I'm going to order immediately and read because I'm fascinated. Uh, In 2007, she's invited to be the co-chair on the Congo Basin Fund, which was a fund set up by the British and Norwegian governments to help protect the Congo forest. So like, who better to have as your board member? Seriously. <laughs> um, in 2010, she establishes the Wangari Mathai Institute for Peace and Environmental Studies, which brings academic research in line with the Greenbelt Movement approach as a, a kind of a roadmap on how to move forward. Um, in 2011, just a year later, she dies at age 71 after a long struggle with ovarian cancer. Wow. Um And her favorite quote, or my favorite quote of hers, rather, she said, what people see as fearlessness is really persistence, which I love. Yeah. She was like, no, I'm not being fearless. Like, I'm just stubborn. (laughs) Oh, my God. Which is so good. But even though she was fearless because she was getting harassed and beaten. And arrested and, like, thrown in jail and, like, all of this crazy shit all the time. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And that is... Wangari Mutam Mathai. Wow. Good job, dude. Holy crap. She's the best. Yeah. Yeah. She's the best. I wrote also that she was just collecting education like Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> just traveling the world like, yeah, I'll take this yeah. one too. Sure. Why yeah, not? sure. I'll take another doctorate. Yeah. Okay. I'll take another master's. Like, sure, sure, sure. You girl, bet. Slow down. Take a day off. Yeah. Wow. Isn't she cool? She's so cool. She's so cool. She's oh my so god. Cool. And I've never heard of her. Ever. Ever. Which and like she wh- I how? Yeah. She's yeah. also the first like Eastern African woman to do 75 things. Yeah. Just oh yeah, her. she's trailblazing all over the place, which is great. That's so great. Mm-hmm. That's so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. So let me source my shit real quick. Yeah. Um, so I got most of my information from um, the Greenbelt Movement's website. They have a whole biography about Wangari. Um, Nobelprize.org has a biographical thing about Wangari Mathai. Um, biography.com and then Wikipedia had like an insane amount of information to the point where like I was reading the Wikipedia article and I was like, I don't know, this might be too much information. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I kind yeah. of had to like, no, okay, I've got to pare this down. Like, yeah, it was fun though. Oh, oh so, my God. Yeah. Good job, dude. That's crazy. Thanks. 
Um, who's your babe this week? You know, I went back and forth. I kind of had two babes this week for very different reasons. But the more I think, so I have to do Amy Poehler. (laughs) Yes. I'm reading her book. Yes, please. Right now. Oh my God. That book is so good. And so funny. Incredibly late to the game. It's so funny. And it's, I feel like I can do anything. Yeah. You know, somehow in her book, telling her story, she makes you feel like you can achieve your goals and do anything you want and make the life that you want. Mm-hmm. And it's the, it's just the most encouraging, uplifting, beautiful, beautiful book. I love it so much and I'm getting close to the end and I'm really scared because I don't want it to be over. Yeah. Oh my God. I love it so much. Sweet Amy Poehler. You are a Titan of your industry and comedy and women and keep crushing it so that we can come behind you and hopefully crush it in our own way. Just a a fraction as much as you do. Mm. I love her. Good one. She's really great. Really great. Really good one. Who's yours? Who's your babe? Um, I think that my babe kind of has to be, well, I don't know. I also have been going back and forth. Um, and I think that, I think that my babe has to be Joanna. (laughs) Dude. Because hell yes. Joanna is maybe the coolest person I've ever met. She's so cool and so Um, talented and and so so smart smart and and so funny and just like such a great time. I'm a big fan of her. She's just, yeah, it's just great. And like, I, and she also is like, so she's she's got that exact thing that we were talking about a few weeks ago of like she has that ability to recognize when her plays are good and be able to say hey this is a good play and I'm proud of the work that I made (laughs) which I love and I think is so cool and anyway I spent the weekend like hanging out with Joanna and just being low-key slash really high-key obsessed with her so (laughs) no she's um, really really great she's really great and i very much hope that she submitted to valdez this year and i hope that whatever play she submitted if she did gets selected and that i can hang too. out with her basically i just want to hang out with her is what this comes down to she's great um and yeah she seemed pretty stoked about how the show is going which was good. a good feeling and yeah Anyway, she was here for like three days and I told her um, she left Wednesday morning. We went out to Darwin's on Tuesday night and mm-hmm. I was like, man, this is like I've gotten so used to just hanging out with you over the last two days. Like, what am I going to do tomorrow? She's like, I know it feels like <laughs> I've been here for a week. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, I think Joanna Castle Miller is is Hell my yeah, babe. Mm-hmm. What a good babe. Mm-hmm. Also, I love the idea that we're. Like having a babe of the week now makes me more in tune and makes me pay attention a little bit more to like the people that encourage and influence me throughout the week. Mm -hmm. I don't just like let it happen and go like I try and pay attention to it. And I love that we both had more than one. Yeah. Like it was like there's so like we're starting to really notice 
all of yeah. the things that influence, you know, like I'm really, I'm happy that we're doing this and doing that specifically. Man, this was a good one. This was a really good one. <laughs> They're all really good ones. They're all really good. I love them. <laughs> um, if you guys have stuck around, thanks. And we appreciate you. And you should really go follow fun. us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Instagram. All at Babetown Pod. Um, if you want to shoot us an email, you can do that at babetownpod at gmail.com. <laughs> that? Which oh, that's, that? that's Greg. Okay. That's Greg streaming at Evan because, because he, he, he has food in his bowl downstairs, but he's mad that it's food from yesterday, so he won't eat it. Food, peasant. So, yeah. Amazing. We've started saying, um, you know, Air Force One when Harrison Ford's like, I don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. Every time we give them wet food at night, they like freak out. And if we forget to do it, they freak out more. Sure. And so we've started, that's, that's just what we say. Like Evan will text me while I'm at rehearsal and he'll be like, Hey, don't let them fool you. I negotiated with terrorists. So when you get home, <laughs> cause they think that they can fool us too. If one of us isn't home, when they get home, both the cats will come running and be like, Meow. like, bitch, I know you're lying to me. Anyway, they're the worst. Um, yeah, shoot us an email, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and dang. Yeah, I love this. And I, I love, love you. This. I love you too, bud. I hope you have a great week. Best. I hope you do too. I hope your head's good. I hope rehearsal's good. Thanks. Oh. Text me about your audition. I will. Oh, God. I want to know all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's going to be something. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Don't worry. It's going to be something. I love you. Have a good rehearsal. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks. You too. I'll talk talk to you you soon. In a week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.